Our reading this morning is taken from 1 John chapter 4, and in the Pew Bibles it's on page 1227. 1 John chapter 4, from verse 15 to verse 19. Listen to the word of God. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Amen. This is the word of God. Thank you, Ian. Really appreciated um, the songs today. It's just, it's nice how the Lord weaves a service together and just positions us to receive from Him. Uh, just in the last couple minutes, I've got this sense that in the room, um, there's, there's a lot of things that we're, we're dealing with. Um, so, so I'd like to pray for us before, before we dive in, okay? Father, the song that we sang, that I need you every hour, I need you. Lord, that is, that is a desperate truth for all of us. And Father, for those in the room who are dealing with uh, things that maybe are unspoken, um, just hurts from the last week, the last month, the last year, God, we ask for your healing, that indeed you would melt those things away as, as we then sang about. Father, some people are, are dealing with uncertainty about the future. There's health concerns. All the things that we'll look at today, Lord, are real for us. And so, God, I, I just ask that you would bless us this morning, that we could leave with a sense of confidence and uh, of how good you are, and that we could cast out our fears with you. So be with us today. May there be relevance for, for what we look at with your word, and, and may it resonate for the sake of the kingdom. And bless us this morning. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, good morning. Can you believe that it's the end of October? I mean, the, the days are getting shorter. It's getting colder. Just a little bit. It's not been too awful, but it's starting to get colder. It's darker. Enchanted Forest will end in a week, which for some is good. For some, it's bad. But we're at the end of October. It was just August last week. Um, but with the end of October, at the end of this week, is something that in church we have mixed feelings about. It's Halloween. Uh, and, and Christians have different convictions. This is not a sermon on Halloween, but it's a reality. Um, if, if you go to different shops, you might see some cobwebs or different decorations and, and things like that. It's, it's a time of all things scary. And uh, when I was a kid growing up in the States, and people even say to us, uh, you, you celebrate Halloween a lot more in the States, and, and actually, yeah, uh, when I was a kid, folks would go all out. There would be decorations on every, not every house, but most homes, you know, ghouls and spiders and all kinds of things, and some people would even set up uh, a cemetery in their front yard, and n not a real cemetery, just, you know, a, a fake cemetery, 
and, you know, like a little baby hand coming out of dirt and things like that, all sorts of things. And, and one year, uh, at, around the corner, a couple streets over, somebody did a haunted house, and, uh, and, and it was this giant garden, and they set up this elaborate boardwalk, and there were all these different places you would go through, you know, I don't know if you've been to a haunted house, but typical things like the scary surgery place where things are going awry and like the devil, all sorts of things in this haunted house. And there's actually lots of places in the States, they'll set up haunted houses as fundraisers. There's some of those sorts of things around here, but perhaps not to the same extent. Now, it's actually in Canada, there's this one place uh, called the Nightmares Fear Factory. And this place, they, they do this really kind of, it's funny, it's terrifying. They take photos of people just like an amusement park roller coaster at a certain moment when they're walking through the house. And I tried to narrow it down to a few photos. Josiah and I talked about it this week. Let's pick out just a few. It was hard. So I'm going to show you some photos, and I want you to see if you can see the abject terror on these people's faces as I show you these photos. Are you prepared for this? So, Andrew, let's fire up the, uh, the thing. Is it something? I, oh, there it is. Okay. So here we go. Prepare yourselves and tell me if you see the fright. <laughs> and, and I'm going to show you a few of these. Maybe pick out your favorite as we go through. These, these, there's, there, you can find these on the internet. Um, I'm just wondering, you know, what the bros are thinking as they go through this and they see the photo after it's all done. Um, <laughs> definitely, certainly some fear there. Um, I like the guys in some of these photos. <laughs> it's like, what's going on? Um, yes, I think I'm seeing some fear. That guy seems pretty scared. <laughs> and here's the thing, people pay for this experience. Look at these guys, absolutely horrified. Um, ladies not out, and they're scared. Dad and son bonding experience in fear. Nice date night. Look at these guys. It's probably one of the more popular ones you'll see. Who do you identify with more? The guy in the yellow or the absolutely terrified young ladies there? Absolutely scared. So fear. It's, um, here's this, this thing with fear. I mean, it's, it's, it's this huge driver in our society. I mean, there's lots of folks that love to go see a horror movie. There's a, it sells things. We, we use it in politics. There's a lot of a fear that's used to, to, to tell us certain messages. Television shows based around fears. This is a bit of a, an interactive time because I want you to stay engaged with me. It might be a bit uncomfortable to say something you personally fear. If that's uncomfortable, okay. Maybe tell me something that folks you know fear. Or if, if you're okay with sharing something you fear. But talk to me. What are things that in this room, what are things that we fear? What are, what are things we fear? Yell out to me. Tell me. Dogs, snakes, the things we looked at earlier with the phobias. <laughs> What's that? Darkness. Yeah, there's a bit more of that these days, is there? What else? Failure. Failure. Yes. Laundry basket. Laundry basket. <laughs> yes. What else? What other fears do we have? Yes, TV. <laughs> We're going to talk in a moment about good fear and bad fear, so we'll, I'll leave that to you guys to determine which one that is. Uh, what else? Anything else? Anything else? Any other fears? The future of the past. Death. Absolutely. And at different life stages, we will wrestle with different fears. Um, I listened to a, a podcast this week where a gentleman who was 80, he's been in ministry for 60 years, and he spoke about 
uh, just the perspective that he has, that he didn't have as a 40-year-old of the fears that come with the, the latter stage of life. It's just a different temptation. It's a different thing. It's a different struggle. But we all deal with it. In the last few years, I've, I've really uh, begun to ask questions of myself, you know, about why do I do the things that I do, and why do I feel the things that I feel? And I think I have to confess that many times it actually is rooted in a fear. Uh, sometimes I know what the fear is. Other times I don't know. But it's part of the human experience. I'm sorry if that's a bit hard to see. Can you guys see that okay? Nobody wants to say no, so we'll just pretend. Fear is an important emotion, and um, I'm thankful for it. Sometimes it can warn us of danger. Sometimes it can protect us from making a really bad choice. Sometimes, despite fear, we make bad choices, but it can be a good thing. Sometimes it's really a bad thing. Um, It can keep us from trusting others. It can keep us from having faith, moving forward, or at its worst, it can keep us from God. It can create distance with our relationship with God. So this morning, I just want us to look briefly at God's Word um, and some of the things it has to say about fear uh, and just reflect on the role of fear in our own lives. And and again, I have to say that this this has come from something the Lord's been doing in me. Um, And I wonder if fear is is guarding us from things that, that we should avoid or if it's actually preventing us from things that God wants to do. And it can do both. So in thinking about today and thinking about fear, I did a word study. Um, I, I haven't prepared often in this way for sermons, so this is a bit of a different process for me, but, but I decided to do a word study, and, and there's so many ways to do this, but you, you can simply get a Bible, and uh, there's so many searchable Bibles, and I typed in the word fear to see what came up, and there were gobs of verses, lots of things, and um, there are places in the Bible where we see the emotion working Um, very specifically with the word fear, you'll find lots of verses. But there's other places where, even though the word fear is not used, we know there's fear present. And the first place that that happens is early on in the human story in Genesis, uh, where Adam and Eve, you'll remember the story, are told by God not to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then what do they do? They ultimately eat from that tree. And then fear starts. God's looking for them. Where are you? And then in Genesis chapter 3, it says this. This is Adam. He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? You know what happens next. Um, Adam, like a brave soul, immediately throws Eve under the bus. <laughs> He's like, it's not me, it's her. That's who you, that's who you need to talk to. There's this business of deflection. Um, has fear ever caused you to want to blame someone else? I, 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 it can be so easy to shift the blame. I mean, think about it. Well, if just fill in the name had done their part. Or well, if fill in the blank would just step up to the plate. Well, a fill-in-the-blank would just knock off that goofiness. I can't work here because fill-in-the-blank 
doesn't respect me, or I can't, I can't be on the sports team because fill-in-the-blank doesn't pass the ball to me. I mean, there's so many places where we might want to shift the blame. And I think a lot of times it has to do with the fear uh, that comes when actually we're called to account. I'm not suggesting it's never true that other folk don't play a role in things that aren't going well. So don't hear me saying that. I mean, if, if somebody asked me to play the oboe, I can tell you that would go wrong. It would just be bad. Um, and I could say I don't play the oboe. So it's not always exclusively on us that things don't work out, but it's quite easy to shift the blame. And I say fear is a driver of that. When you're getting questioned, pinched, called to account on something that has gone wrong, fear can rise up, and it's easy to look for a person or a circumstance to blame it on. And just in case you're thinking, well, of course, Adam, you know, that's what guys do. You know what happens next in that story as well. Eve immediately also shifts the blame as quickly as possible to the serpent. So it's kind of a human problem. Fear of consequence is driving Adam and Eve's behavior. In this case, and often in life, fear is a result of disobedience. Fear is also like a disease that spreads rapidly. Okay, so if you just turn into the next chapter in Genesis, with this first family, we have this scene where Cain and Abel bring their offerings before God. Okay, and you remember what happens there as well. God has greater regard for Abel's offering. And I, I don't, we, the Bible doesn't tell us what's going on in Cain's mind or what happens there, but you know, I wonder if, if Cain might have kind of participated in this exercise where he thought, well, of course God has more regard for Abel's offering. You know, it's, it's much easier to, uh, to do what Abel does. Um, of course God likes Abel more. I mean, he's the baby. Yeah, I don't know what specifically Cain was thinking when this anger and this jealousy or whatever it was that filled him, that caused him to actually murder his brother. Suspect that fear is probably perhaps something going on there, but it doesn't explicitly say. But we know that what happens next when God again confronts Cain. There's fear there. Um, God's looking for, for Abel and Cain, and he says, Cain, where's your brother? And, and you remember what Cain says. I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? I, I don't know what's going on with that guy. As it often does, the truth comes out, and Cain has to face the consequences for what he's done. And he says this in Genesis 4, 13 through 14. He says, My punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Fear. Horrified what's going to happen to him because of the consequences of what he's done. The first, chap- first ten chapters of Genesis continue to describe this unraveling of, of humankind, of, of things getting so bad that ultimately there is a flood to destroy most of what's been made. After that happens, after the flood is done, Noah and his family come out of the ark and they're told to go forth and multiply. And then the next thing that God says to them in Genesis uh, 10, chapter 2, is this, the fear and dread of you will fall on all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the sky, on every creature that moves along the ground and all the fish of the sea. We are not the only living things that experience fear. I mean, it truly is... Uh, everywhere. In many of the Bible verses that you'll find on fear, 
uh, the object of fear is either people or God. That's who, who is feared typically in these verses. Not all of them. Um, other patterns come to the surface when you look at all these verses. One pattern is the phrase, fear the Lord. Now, if you're a follower of God, to fear the Lord, this is about reverence. This is about respect. This is about an understanding of who God is, a correct posture, if you will, with God. How many of you have found yourselves in a posture of fear with perhaps a parent at some point in your life? Because you understood the parent had the role of authority. God has ultimate authority. So when we see this fear the Lord, it's used um, in good ways for those who are followers of God because he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he's all-present. But it also is used in other ways. A couple of verses that are on here that are about this good fear that comes when we look at God and we fear him. It says in verse 7 of Proverbs 1, the, pr- the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Psalm 34, 9 also says, Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. Again, if you were to look at this word study, you'd see several things that come from fearing the Lord that's good. There's a good, respectful fear of God. Now, if in the Bible you see people who are not followers of God and they're fearing the Lord, guess what? It's the same reasons. They fear the Lord because he's all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, and they are not. One simple example of what that looks like is Deuteronomy 3.22. In the Old Testament, there are several examples of those who fear the Lord and those who don't. Right here it says in 3.22, You shall not fear them, for it is the Lord your God who fights for you. It's like trouble in the schoolyard. Uh, Some of us have had the experience. I don't know what it was like in, in the UK or other places, but whenever there was a fight at school, that became a very um, exciting experience for the whole of the school. Um, in your school, uh, tell me, in your schools, did they run to the center of the room to watch the fight? Did, did, maybe you didn't have fighting in your schools. Maybe it was quite nice, and there was none of that. Now, if, if somebody was picking on you in the schoolyard, um, it was really nice to have the big guy on your side. There were some fights that were avoided because just simply the presence of the big guy. That's kind of what it's like with this fear of the Lord business. If you're on the side of the Lord, that's a good thing. But if you're not, there's fear that comes with that. In several places, you would see fear not or do not fear or be not afraid. Again, these are t- tend to be around God's character and who he is. If in the Bible, God or an angel shows up, usually it kind of makes me think of these faces that we looked at earlier. There's terror. People are scared. It tends to freak them out. Think of the shepherds who were visited uh, by the, the angel of the Lord uh, to announce Jesus' birth. In Luke 2, 9 through 10, it says this. It says, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. So great, Ken. Thank you for that very eloquent presentation of all the different ways we can find fear in the Bible. That's really wonderful. Very helpful. Can we go now? Well, here's the thing. There's, there's actually some practical things for us to do with fear. Uh, there are so many places that you see the word and you see how it plays out in the Bible. I think I just wanted to make sure we illustrated the fact that fear is part of the human experience. And in understanding that, when we start to think about how do we deal with our own fear, 
the Bible gives us some pretty clear guidance. And one of those things is, is hopefully we've demonstrated it through the text, but it's also just recognizing that fear is a driver for us. And we just have to acknowledge that. We have to just be aware that fear often is in the driver's seat, or it can be. Sometimes it's subtle. Sometimes it's very direct. Um, and I've discovered this in several places in my own life. Um, I, an example I could share with you is, is several years ago, one of our children was in the hospital. And it was quite traumatic. A, a number of you will have experienced the same sort of thing or worse. And um, there's just nothing like it when, when your kid's not feeling well. That's a, that's, that's a pretty horrifying time. He got better. He got better. The Lord was so good. And uh, it was probably only after the fact that we realized how good the Lord was to us. Um, but for several years, whenever anybody got, a, anybody got a cough in our house, I got quite angry. <laughs> I, just got, I, I just would get angry. Stop coughing. You know, like you can stop yourself from coughing. And I'd get a bit fussy. And it's really just in digging into that a little bit. It's It's fear. I was me scared. We're going to have to deal with this sickness type thing again. And I'm not even the one who actually had to deal with it. Ultimately, guys, fear can drive things in us. And if we're not aware of it, it can just, it can just show up in unexpected ways and unexpected places. So we have to kind of do a little bit of digging and figure out where that stuff is. Where is it coming from? Where is it, where is it hiding in our lives? And so that was one for me. And I still work on it some. Most of our fears can be summed up as related to three things, others, circumstances, or our health. It's not everything, but that's where you can categorize most of the fears that we have. And God addresses all of these with a command for us to fear not. Okay, and I'll give you an example for each of those three. Psalm 27, 1 through 3. The Lord is my light and my salvation. We heard this earlier. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers, others, assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. God is our light and salvation in regard to other people. How many of you have had to deal with other people that created some sort of fear in your life? Whether it's a boss, a parent, a friend, a jerk, whatever it may be. God is our refuge. God is our light and salvation. And that's in Scripture. Another psalm, these are all from psalms, which are quite full of heart, aren't they? These guys who wrote these things, David and others, they just poured out what was real for them. Psalm 46, 1 through 3 says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, through, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its, as it is swelling. Um, so people can come against this, but sometimes just life does, just circumstances. Though the mountains tremble, though everything around us fall apart, that's circumstantial, we will not fear because God is our refuge and strength to any of these circumstances that may come. And they do come. And in thinking about this, this other part of our health, because we all have to deal with it, Psalm 23, which is known as the shepherd's psalm, a verse you'll know, 
Verse 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God is our ever-caring shepherd even in the darkest days. And all three of these things, because of the human experience, we have to deal with. Some of you who are young have had to deal with health issues. If you haven't, they'll come just because of the nature of existence. God is our ever-caring shepherd, even in the darkest days. So how do we get to this business? We've, we identify these fears. These are kind of the categories they can, they can live in us. In How do we actually really live a life that's not based on fear? How do we cast that out? And that's where we go to 1 John. So if you look at verse 15, it says, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And I would submit to you that the first piece of casting out fear is actually a relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay? So 1 John here, it says that we have to confess uh, that Jesus is the Son of God. And then it says that God abides, which means lives, stays, abodes, make a home in us. And so if we actually are going to deal with these things that are so treacherous and kind of can sink our lives, it really has to start with a relationship with Jesus. Pure and simple. When we abide in Him, we also don't just confess Him as Lord. There's actually more to that as well. And verse 16 goes on to say, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So there's this reality that God comes and abides in us, but we also abide in him. Um, I don't know where your place is that you go to when you're stressed out or when it's been a bad day. Some of you may have a very specific routine in that case. Maybe it's a box of uh, chocolate or some ice cream. Maybe it's bed. Maybe it's um, a fire. But a lot of us will have those places that we want to retreat to when things are rough. We don't want to see anybody. Don't want to talk to anybody. Or maybe there is a person that you want to go cry on their shoulder. Uh, When you think about abiding in God, he's, He's home. He's the place that we go to in all circumstances. And that's what it looks like to live with Him and in Him. And I think that's the reality of verse 16. Verse 17 says, By this love is perfected in us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, because as he is, so also are we in this world. You may have wondered, why do we do all that stuff with Genesis? Why do we talk about Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel and then all of humankind? Remember, we talked about fear came from the consequence of what they had done. And if you look at verse 17, it connects us to that so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because of God's love and His work for us, it makes provision for what happened in our lives that was against Him. Jesus deals with the punishment. That's what the cross is all about. And we can place our confidence in that. So that's one of those things that we can cast our fear away because God has dealt with any of the things that we have done that are shameful. The things that we do that are shameful, the thoughts that we have. Jesus has dealt with that. And we can have confidence in the day of judgment. And that's all based on his love, which we have to trust in. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. 
For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected. Perfected here is finished. It's completed. Without God, that does not happen. Brief. Uh, We're going to do the Lord's Supper in a moment, but I I just wanted to lay out, we all have to deal with fear. It's a reality for all of us. And we have to kind of explore what is it that drives us, where those fears come from. And I want you to, to be challenged to consider what those things may be in your life. What are the things that haunt deep down inside? I want you to also consider what it is to fear the Lord. What does that actually look like? I'd be happy to send along this document with all these different verses, but if you were to look at it, there are several uh, blessings and benefits and results or things that come from fearing the Lord. I don't think that every scripture is a promise for each individual. I think you have to look at the context of it, but there is a consistency. In Proverbs, there are several things that we see as a result of fearing the Lord. One of the things that looks like is a hatred of evil. Proverbs tells us that it's the beginning of wisdom. It leads to long life, confidence, satisfaction, rest, safety, etc. There are a lot of good things that come from cultivating this relationship with the Lord. And so if you want an assignment, that would be your assignment, to go dig that out as well. Dig out what's inside that causes bad fear and then look to the Word to see what the results are of cultivating a fear of the Lord. God's given us the strong emotion, and it can be a huge driver. There's a reason for it. It's part of how we relate to Him. Thankfully, it's something that God wants to do. It's not, it's not a secret. It's not something He wants to keep from us. He wants us to thrive. He wants us to walk in trust of Him. So it's a good thing. There's hope. There's hope in dealing with fear. Let's just take a moment, um, 30 seconds, a minute, and I, I want you to just begin that process now of asking the Lord, are there some things, God, that's just inside of me that I need to give to you? Maybe see if you can pinpoint some of that fear and just confess that to the Lord, and then I'll close this in prayer, Okay. Father, it could be a a funny thing. For me, fear of silence in this moment. Um, There's so many easy places that fear can creep in and drive us. Lord, prick our hearts. Pinpoint those things. Some of those things we'll be aware of, but perhaps, Lord, for some of us, there are places underneath that fear is, is kind of at the root of. So God, I I ask that you would root that out in us because there's a fullness to life that we will fail to experience if we don't allow you to be in complete control and if we don't give those things to you. So Father, for, for those in the room who would acknowledge and identify, yes, there are some fears in me that I need to give to you. Lord, bless them. Bless them with the confidence to, to rely on you, to trust in you, and to do that daily. And so, God, provide for us the opportunity, whether it be to share with someone we trust, whether it just be a conversation that we have in a quiet place with you, um, to begin to let fear be removed from our lives. And Father, I don't know that it's removed in a a forever way, but it's, it's something that we appropriate and give to you. So bless us in that, Father. 
And Father, may, there come, may, there, may this, this place and, and, and we as your people be filled with confidence. Father, may we see a season of confidence uh, for your, your will for our lives, for the direction you would have us to go as a church, and may we cast aside fear and the, the things that come with that. So bless us, Lord. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.